listening to the Citizens Church podcast. Citizens Church exists to saturate Bryan College Station, Texas with the good news and love of Jesus. To learn more about Citizens Church, visit us online at citizensbcs.com. Today's message is from Pastor Ben Rush. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there in Zoom land. Uh, I hope you're having a great day. We, we love you guys. We honor you. Uh, I'm going to mer- move fairly quickly um, tonight just because I know some of you have plans. We have plans tonight. And so uh, we're going to just jump right into it. So if you would, grab your Bibles or your service guide and turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. And if you're not following the Bible reading plan, I just want to encourage you to jump in on it uh, because we are actually in Luke. We started Luke on Thursday and on Monday we'll be in Luke chapter 3. And so if you're not a part of it already, you can just very easily jump in Luke chapter 3, catch up. You'll be right along with us. And uh, some of you might be wondering why, what is the deal with this Bible reading plan then? Like what, what, what's so important about it? And I just... I want to take a minute just to explain, like, we want to build a culture of people who, who spend time with God and uh, every single day for themselves. And so they're not just, we're not Christians that show up to a building to get fed. Uh, that's not the only place that we're getting fed. We're actually feeding ourselves throughout the week. And so we've got this Bible reading plan where we're all reading a passage of scripture together and this is the primary place where we're fed. And that's when we get together, like in communities or just doing life with one another, we can easily discuss the passages that we're reading. And in those times, we can bring insight from our personal experience and uh, our personal experiences with the Lord during the week. And so this will just build a culture of people who are devoted to being like Jesus, being with Jesus and doing what Jesus did. And so that's really important. So that's why we have a Bible reading plan jump in on it with us. Uh, So Luke chapter one, if you've been reading, you know where this is going. Luke chapter one, verse five. uh, We read it earlier in the week on Thursday. So I'm going to read it. It's kind of a big passage. And then I'm going to just break it down bit by bit. Okay. Verse five. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once Zechariah's division was on duty, okay, so just pause real quick. There are 24 divisions of the priesthood. They're both descendants of Aaron, the brother of Moses. Zechariah has this assignment Two times a year for one week, they do temple service. He's of the division of Abijah. There's 23 other divisions. And so that's, that's, what, that's what he's doing. He, he's on duty this one week. He's been doing it for his whole life. Verse eight, and he was serving as a priest before God. Now, while he was there, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Okay, this is a one-time event. This is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of a thing. They literally roll the dice, and old man Zechariah gets the dice roll, and and it's like he's won the jackpot. He's won the lottery. He's going to go in and perform temple service, burning incense before the Lord. Okay, verse 10. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. 
Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring many back, uh, many Uh, bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said to the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I seen in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this day happens because you're an idiot. No, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he had stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And then after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace. The ESV says my reproach among the people. Today, I want to talk to you about the subject of waiting. That's the big idea of this passage. It's all in there, even in the ways that you may not see or, you know, right from the very beginning or at the outset. The first thing I want to say, and this is incredibly obvious, and that is that waiting takes time. Waiting takes time. Uh, Verse seven says that Elizabeth and Zechariah were childless. She wasn't able uh, to conceive and they were both very old. They were both very old. They weren't just old. They were very old. We don't know how old they were. We just know they were extremely old. It was, wasn't enough to say they were old. Luke is a doctor. He's very precise. And so because of that, he's letting us know that they were very old. Uh, and that's important because in this culture, old people had children. Uh, very old people had grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But it says here that they were childless. Elizabeth wasn't able to conceive, and they were very old. We know they wanted children because Luke says that she wasn't able to conceive. We know that they wanted children because in this culture, it's an agrarian culture where uh, the the whole concept was to have as many children as possible to take care of the grounds and the animals and, and provide for the family. And we know that they wanted children because when Gabriel shows up at the altar of incense and talks to Zechariah, he says in verse 13, uh, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And so they've been praying for this for a while, all of their lives, past their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, into their 80s, maybe 90s or older, they've been childless and they had prayed at one point that God would give them a child and they just kept waiting. Waiting takes time and sometimes it takes a lifetime. Waiting also takes time and sometimes it's just a few hours. I mean, this is salted all throughout this passage. Verse eight, uh, Zachariah's inside, right? He's serving at the altar of incense. He has this experience with the angel Gabriel and, and 
And while he's in there, he has this whole situation happen. And the people outside uh, are beginning to wonder what is going on. Verse 21, it says, meanwhile, the people outside are worshiping, right? We're worshiping because there's two times a day that the altar of incense is being lit. And everyone is there outside worshiping and praying. And he goes in and they're wondering, did the guy die? We don't know what happened. What's going on? And they're wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. They're waiting for him to come out. Waiting sometimes takes a lifetime. Sometimes it's only a few hours. Waiting takes time. You'll turn uh, left in your Bible to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. It's the last two sentences, two last two verses of the Old Testament. And this is what it says. Malachi chapter four, verse five and verse six. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day that the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of their children to their parents. Sounds a lot like Luke chapter one, verse 17. When Gabriel shows up, he says, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children, right? Same prophecy. But what's happening, the significance of this is that between Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, and Luke chapter 1, verse 17, it's called the 400 years of silence. Not 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 400 plus years of silence. There's no new word from God. There's no new prophecy. There's no new documented writing like the the prophet Malachi has written these prophecies. Nothing, just silence for 400 years. And in Luke chapter one, verse 27, leading up to the birth of Christ, Gabriel shows up before he shows up and tells Mary that she's going to have a child. He shows up to Zechariah to completely freak him out, right? And, and tell him the prayer that they've been praying, that he's been praying, they've been waiting on, that, that God has heard their prayer. And not only that, for 400 years, Zechariah would have studied this prophecy from Malachi and they would have known it. I mean, he would have immediately known it when, when Gabriel said these words, he was referring and pointing to that prophecy 400 years. Sometimes it's a lifetime. Sometimes waiting takes a few minutes. Sometimes it takes 400 years or longer. You think 400 years ago, it's been talked about here recently, the year 1619, the first African-American black slaves showing up in Jamestown, Virginia, 400 years, 400 years. That's how long it's been. And today, black and brown or black and brown brothers and sisters and citizens church and pastors and and churches in the area and all over the, the nation and the state and places far and wide are starting to say, hey, enough's enough. And, and like we talked about two weeks ago, we pray the prayer of lament. How long, oh God, how long, Lord, must we wait? 400 years, 400 years. So waiting takes time. Waiting's part of the journey. Um, whether that's because of bad or good reasons, is God playing games with us? I don't think so, but he does use the waiting. Waiting is part of the journey. And we can't choose how long we wait. It's not up to us. We can't decide. I wish I could. I wish I could decide how long I I had to wait for certain things. I I wish that for you guys. We can't choose how long we wait, but we can choose how we respond to waiting. 
John Ortberg said this, waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is a part of the process of becoming who God wants us to be. So in other words, waiting is active. It's not passive. Waiting is active. It's not passive. Don't waste your waiting, guys. Don't waste your waiting. I, you could ask Ashley. I've, you might have even heard me say this, but Ashley would testify to this. I will often say this feels like a giant waste of time. Like that's like in quotes, not right now, but at times I'll say, what a waste of time. Like I'm so frustrated because I'm, uh, I'm in a hurry. My last name is Rush. I have, uh, it's in my DNA, you know? So I, I'm in a hurry. I'm always, I want to rush the process. I don't like waiting. Just like many of you, it's very uncomfortable. But instead of saying, I don't want to waste time, this last week I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Ben, what if you were to say, I don't want to waste my waiting. Don't waste your waiting. Uh, In this passage, Luke 1, 5 through 25, we see three ways to wait. Three ways to wait. And so I just want to encourage you, if you'll write them down, here are the three ways, silence, solitude, and gratitude. Three ways to wait that we see here, silence, solitude, and gratitude. First, silence. Zachariah, right? Uh, here's my, here's my um, words to you about silence. Just stop talking. Verse 18 through 20, Zachariah, he didn't choose this, but it's a good model. Uh, while you wait, stop talking and start listening. We need to be silent before the Lord. Um, if, you, if you spend time with God reading your, on your iPad, um, like I do. I'm just going to tell you from time to time, I, I, I navigate out of the written, hard, physical text, the paper, and I go digital. And, and what ends up happening is I end up checking email or Twitter or whatever, and I get distracted. And so in our waiting, God wants us to engage with silence, to stop talking, start listening, turn off your TV, turn off your phone. If, if it's distracting to you, get alone with them and just listen to him. Listen to him. The second way we see to wait is in solitude. Elizabeth, verse 23 through 24, she takes five months off to go uh, hang out in solitude, in seclusion. If you think about five months ago was January 21st, 2020. Seems like a long time ago. Can you imagine uh, being in solitude for five months and coming out today and looking at the world? I mean, like, a lot's happened, right? So my temptation, probably yours as well, when we're waiting is to stay busy and to fill up our social calendar, to go something, I got to go somewhere, I've got to do something, call a friend, got to make a new TikTok video or new TikTok videos or uh, scroll on social media or pick a fight on social media, which I'm guilty of in the last month. Uh, Stop it. Let me just tell you, stop it. Press into the Lord in silence and solitude, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth. We see the way to actively wait is like righteous Zechariah and Elizabeth. Be silent and seek solitude. The third way is to be grateful. Verse 25, this is what Elizabeth says. The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. Don't waste you're waiting with complaining. Don't waste your waiting with griping. Don't waste your waiting with whining, but instead be grateful and say, the Lord has done this for me. 
the Lord has done this for me. She hadn't even had the baby yet. She's not holding the baby. She's not nursing the baby. She's not changing babies, diapers. She's an old lady. I mean, that's what Zachariah said. She's not just old. She's really old. And she is still pressing into gratitude and saying, look what the Lord has done for me. So in your waiting, be grateful. The Lord has done this for me. It's coming. It's more of a statement of faith, right? It's the Lord is doing this for me. He's going to do this for me. It's coming. It's coming. Racial reconciliation, what we've been talking about and praying about, we're starting to see some little possible glimmers of hope. But gosh, there's so much work to be done. And we look at Ephesians verse 2, verse 11 through 22, and, and he says he's made us one. He's taken down the wall of hostility. And it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't look that way. But he's done it. He's doing it and it's coming. We're going to press into our waiting through silence and solitude and gratitude. Waiting takes time, guys, and we can't choose how long we will wait, but we can choose how we will respond. Some of you are waiting for a baby to be born. Hayden and Kelsey are waiting for a baby to be born. Some of you are waiting and praying about getting pregnant and really like, like desperately desiring that and not even sure if it'll ever happen. Some of you are waiting on your wedding day. Garrett and McKenna just got engaged. Some of you are waiting to meet Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, maybe waiting to sell a house or buy a house or waiting to pay off bills or to start a new job. We're all waiting on coronavirus to be over with, and we're waiting for real reconciliation and the end of racism and injustice as we've known it for the last 400 years. Ultimately, we are all waiting for what Paul wrote about almost 2,000 years ago in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. He says, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting. We're eagerly waiting. We're eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. And he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. We're waiting for his return, for the new heaven, new earth. We're waiting for the fulfillment of all things being made new. Waiting is just this massive, unavoidable part of our lives, and it's crucial to our lives as students of Jesus. If we want to be with Jesus, be like Jesus, do what Jesus did, it all requires waiting, and we wait through silence, solitude, and gratitude. And Jesus did this, right? He did this many, many times. We're reading through Luke. If you haven't seen it, you'll see it. Uh, he, he pulls away in silence and solitude to seek the Lord, he, uh, to seek the Father. He is our model. He did it in the wilderness for 40 days before he started his ministry. He did it after John the Baptist was beheaded. He goes away in silence and solitude to seek God. Before he chose the 12 disciples during busy times, before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's waiting. He's waiting. Adam uh, Fadling said this. Uh, Many times Jesus was willing to wait, and his example calls all of us to cultivate that same posture before the Father. Silence, solitude, gratitude. Richard Foster wrote, wrote a great book on the disciplines and also a book on prayer that many of you have read. I've read, it's great, recommend it if you haven't read it. He said this, prior to the commission to go, 
Jesus instructed his disciples to wait. We too must wait if we expect to go anywhere in power. Anyone can go, but few there are that go in power. And in the opening verses of Acts, we discover Jesus impressing upon his disciples the absolute necessity of waiting in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So they waited for 10 days, a response which is some kind of miracle in itself for none of the disciples was noted for their patience. The results were stupendous. Though our information is sketchy, it's not hard to imagine some of the issues with which they had to deal. Certainly, they were forced to work through the hostilities that had poisoned the fellowship. Undoubtedly, they learned the deeper ways of prayer. Clearly, they learned to wait. The resultant impact changed the course of history. Waiting takes time. Don't waste your waiting. Wait in silence. Wait in solitude. Wait in gratitude. So I just, as I'm closing here, I'm going to give you three questions and Ashby is about to lead us into a response time of just prayer and worship. I'm going to pray before she jumps in, but three questions I want to leave you, leave with you. Number one, what are you currently waiting for God to do? Maybe this is not a discussion question as much as it's a reflection question. What are you currently waiting for God to do? Number two, what have you stopped waiting on God for? What have you just like stopped waiting on him for? I mean, there's Zechariah. He's an old man. He's in the temple lighting the incense. He's actually praying for the nation, Israel. He's praying for the nation. When Gabriel shows up, when Gabriel says, I've heard your prayer, God's heard your prayer. Maybe that was his initial thought. And then he says, congratulations, you're getting pregnant. Okay, so what have you prayed for a long, long time ago that maybe you've forgotten about? An old dream or something that God placed inside of you that you've just said, I I don't even think about that anymore. I've given up on that dream or that hope. What have you stopped waiting on God for? And a follow-up question to that is, why? Why? And then the third question is, what am I going to do this week to wait well? It's not enough to just wait and pass time, but what am I going to do this week to wait well? Let me pray for us. Thanks for joining us today for the message. We hope it was encouraging to you. To learn more about Citizens Church, including gathering times and locations, or to give financial support, please visit citizensbcs.com. And again, thanks for listening to the Citizens Church podcast.